Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as the feelings that Barca fans got watching Messi leave. After 20 plus years, the relationship he's had with this organization, the man's is 34 years old. I mean, he's Matt's soccer goat. He's my greatest player I've ever watched play football like it's crazy. He's moving on, Matt, and to PSG, to France of all places? Dude, I mean, they're the ones who wanted to pay him. Uh, he couldn't get it worked out with Barca. But you're right, man. He is absolutely 100% my soccer goat. I don't care. Cristiano Ronaldo fans, come at me. This man, I mean, in 520 Liga games, has 474 goals, 217 assists. I mean, he's got 120 Champions League goals across all competitions, man. In 778 games, he factors into 1.25 goals per contest. He's got 305 assists and 672 goals. Like, the man is just a machine, and he's been doing it for years. I still think he's got a ton of runway to still keep dominating the game because he's playing at such an elite level still. Oh, yeah. It's wild, man. He's only 32. I mean, for all of my life that I've followed European football, Barca has been relevant to a degree, and that's mostly because of Messi. And now, for him to join a front line with Mbappe, with Neymar, arguably the strongest front line we've seen since him, Neymar, and Suarez, and whoever else they had rotating in, because it's Barca and they can afford everybody. But, you know, this is the weird turn for them with the new rules for Barcelona. They wanted a deal. Messi agreed to a deal to stay on to cut his contract because obviously he loves this club, but they couldn't get it done. They couldn't figure out how to like get rid of these bloated contracts because obviously the rest of the league was like, nah, we're not going to do that for you. Sorry, Barcelona, but it's sad for a lot of fans, but obviously a move for a star like this is great. Obviously when Ronaldo moved, you know, a lot of things happen. Think about the money that that organization made. And like, obviously PSG doesn't need money. They're backed by big money oil Qatar whatever you know we we can joke about it for days but it's gonna be wild to watch this team play at, at the top levels of football because that's what Messi provides as a player you know absolutely he is one of the top players in the game and PSG the rich get richer man they go and get Ramos and Donnarumma all for free with Messi as well they don't have to pay a transfer fee or anything that is some sweet, sweet management right there. They're saying it's the best transfer window in the history of European soccer. And man, I'd be hard to argue against it. I think they're going to be a lock to win Champions League. But, you know, paper is one thing. You still got to play the sport. It's it, That's it, right? It's not just about what you can provide on paper. It's not just what the stats say. It's, it's locker room mechanics. It's coaching. It's everything. And Football is such a weird sport that way, and obviously this team could come out swinging. And with Donnarumma at the back and, and the front that they have, and th- th- of course, how do you not predict them to win absolutely everything that gets in front of them? They're, they're going to be a fantastic team. Obviously, Messi at 34 years old, like you and I both want him to win more silverware. He's got to have 12 plus 13 maybe trophies. I don't know, but I'd love to see him get over 15 by the end of his career and he's gonna play for a bunch of years to come yeah man he's at least got six years uh left in the tank i would say minimum 
And so getting over 15 championships, especially on that PSG team, you know, he's never able to do it with the national squad. But I was reading a, uh, a little uh, meme the other day that was saying, you know, when Messi wins uh, Champions League or he wins uh, La Liga, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily be the absolute best player on his team all the time for them to win. Just like Cristiano doesn't have to with Portugal or, you know, Juventus or Real Madrid yeah. when he played for those teams. But when Argentina wins a, 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 a tournament, an event, anything, Messi has to be their number one player throughout the entire thing. And that's the major difference between Ronaldo winning something like the Euros and Messi really never being able to get super far. I mean, he did win Copa finally, thank goodness, but still. So pumped about that Copa win still. But Matt, okay, the last thing about Messi, I have to bring it up. I have to ask you this question. Because I've heard these rumors kind of teetering through the media world that with this move finally, does this potentially set the stage for, you know, the end of his career, Messi coming for a year or two? in MLS, coming to North America, you know, doing like a weird old school retirement move, trying to win a title. The only reason I'm bringing it up, Matt, is because I would 100% be like, Matt, we got to get on a plane, we got to drive somewhere, we got to go see Messi play, because it would be unreal if the potential was there. Dude, if Messi came to North America to play a soccer, football, and was anywhere near the Toronto area, you know we'd be going out to go see him uh, we might even have to go to fly to Vancouver to go to a Whitecaps game to see him. You come him. to me, my dude. We'll, we'll drive <laughs> over there, I swear. Exactly. Man, it would be legendary. There have been some pretty big names to come over. I mean, David Beckham being one of the biggest. But I think Messi would surpass him in terms of popularity in, in North America and what he's done for that sport. So absolutely would love to see him come to the MLS. But... I don't know, man. The guy's still playing at a top level. PSG's paying him, like, what, $44 million a year to come play oh, soccer for them? Pay him whatever Messi wants. He's LeBron-like in the way that he can help you create a team. And everybody on that roster, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, Messi walks in the room, you're like, okay, a, a god amongst men is walking here. What can I learn? How can we be better? And he just elevates. Like, that's what he's done. As much as Barca has fallen apart and they're in this weird state of needing to rebuild, not having the money to afford things, being in debt, blah, 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 Messi was always there. And at every championship, like you said, for Argentina, for Barcelona, he was there and he was important. Always important, man. He's the GOAT. He's 100% the GOAT. Easily. Okay, Matt. Now that we have moved past the legend that is Messi, although I hope that we get to keep talking about him because obviously go talk about the NHL. I mean, some crazy things have happened. We're still waiting on more. Talk to me, Matt. Man, well, I, I'm going to start it off with a pretty sad note. We'll go from uh, a legend of the sport and Messi to a legend of hockey and, and Tony Esposito, Phil's brother. Uh, both of them top 100 players all time on that 2015 list when they released it. Um, they're some of the, the greatest players, and he was one of the best goalies of his of his era, played from 67 to 84. And unfortunately, he passed away, man. He died at the age of 78. Um, you know, that's a pretty long life. I'm sure he would have liked to live a little bit longer, as we all would. Um, but really sad to see. Um, he was originally a Montreal Canadiens draft pick, 
but you know, stuck behind Rogi Wokun and and Gump Worsley, he was left unprotected and claimed by Chicago, where he really kind of took hold and, and made them a, a Stanley Cup contender. Um, he was part of the Montreal uh, 1969 Stanley Cup winning team. Uh, ended up winning the Vesna the next year with Chicago. He was a Crazy. backup on that Stanley Cup team. Wins the Vesna the next year in 1970. Goes on to win it two more times in 72, 74. Never actually won the Stanley Cup as a starting goalie. Pretty crazy to think as one of the top 100 players of all time. And uh, he was also one of the, the the two goalies in the 72 Canadian Summit Series, man. Ended up posting the lowest uh, uh, say, or lowest goals against average and highest save percentage in that series over Vladimir Tretiak and Ken Dryden, who was the guy who ended up replacing him in Montreal. So not bad. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those ones that gets away and those expansion drafts. Canadian teams getting gutted. Ah, sadness. But yeah, rest in peace to an absolute legend. Yeah, man. Back then, though, uh, Chicago wasn't an expansion draft. It was just kind of like um, to try and even out the teams. They did these like little drafts. And uh, well, it definitely helped, helped even out the teams because, I mean, though Montreal had Ken Dryden in the backup uh, role waiting right behind him, losing... Esposito, a legend of the sport, is is pretty difficult. But hey, man, Montreal didn't miss a beat. They uh, went on to dominate the '70s. Trust me. <laughs> this guy living in the past after his current run, unfortunately, fell apart. Still sad about it, Matt. Like I know that you are even more deep down in my heart. But talk to me about the rest of the league because I know that while we're getting to the end of NHL free agency, and it's not quite this extended thing that the NBA is even though the NBA keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter every season I know there's more things going on in the NHL yeah man it's because the NBA is doing their deals before free agency even opens up my friend (laughs) tampering tampering oh man we all knew that they were going to make those trades anyways they had the framework in place from the trade deadline that's all they're going to say and the NBA is not going to care but hey man there were a few deals in the NHL this week it was mostly goalies um, Shersterkin for the New York Rangers, Igor, uh, got his four-year, $22.67 million contract. Uh, pretty good for uh, a goalie coming off of his rookie scale. Another guy coming off of his rookie scale who didn't quite get the bag that everyone thought he would. I mean, Carter Hart was being proclaimed as the next Carey Price, was getting all these accolades thrown his way, was going to be the starter over Carey Price for Canada at the Olympics in six months. But he had a rough season, only signed a three-year $11.9 million contract, only $11.9 million, you know, oh, poor oh, guy. No. <laughs> oh, I'd kill Weiss, some of that Weiss money. my tears with money, you know, if I was him. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, he is kind of going through a similar career trajectory as Carey Price. Broken the league super young, before goalies are supposed to, is really great right off the bat. And then kind of goes through a troubled period when he's in his, like, young 20s. If you remember, Carey Price was replaced by Yaroslav Halak, and there was legitimate debate about who you should trade. And my uncle, who works at the National Hockey League, (laughs) I remember him saying this to me, I would trade Carey Price if I was Montreal. So, you know... It could happen with with Carter Hart where he turns his career around and becomes a Hall of Famer just like Carey Price and, you know, the greatest goalie of his generation. I could see it happening. The kid's only 22. That would be really fun to have a story like that, have the ping-pongs, you know, fall that way. 
I love I love like when the storylines kind of go off the rails and you get these like weird parallels, right? Yeah, it would be very interesting to see both Canadian goaltenders and you know theoretically, Carey Price. Well, not theoretically, Carey Price. Carey Price was the greatest goaltender of his generation for for Canada and for the mm-hmm. NHL, the world. And then this guy's going to come in and hopefully be that next generation for Team Canada. We'll see though. Still, lots of lots of time and lots of lots of runway. I mean, I always want more for Team Canada, especially in hockey. You know, we're <laughs> disappointing on the basketball side of things, so at least we can try to be the champions on hockey. Yeah, and we've definitely got to keep the U.S. from doing it because they've got a, a stacked up roster. Uh, speaking about those Americans, man, Jack Eichel, he's still out there to be had in trade talks. Um, everyone's pointing him at either the New York Rangers or the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I think the Vegas Golden Knights make the most sense. They're a win-now team who's been to the Final Four three of the last four years. They're legitimately one piece, which is a first-line center away from winning. They have yeah. good goaltending in Robert, Robin Lehner. They have a deep defensive core. And then they have top wingers in Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Plus, they've got the Carlson line. Yeah, they've just got to get Jack Eichel. I just don't know what to get it done for them. I mean, you've set the stage right there, right? Obviously, there is a star. He's disgruntled. I hear about it every time I chat with Austin. Still haven't traded Eichel. Obviously, the Russian Revolution is happening in, uh, in Buffalo there, so they can't, they can't have Eichel anymore. But it'll be interesting, right? You say that it would be good for Vegas, and, you know... I don't want to say that has their window been closing because nobody expected them to come in and then obviously they've been so close to being great but they've just been good by just being on the cusp all the time and you you say Eichel is good, he's great, he could provide if given the right opportunity if he steps up and becomes what he's supposed to and wouldn't Vegas just provide him that opportunity? Absolutely, I think they'd provide him that opportunity. It'd get him out of that that losing culture that is the Buffalo Sabers at the moment. <laughs> so true. It's been I I would I would say fifteen plus years since that team's been any good. Um, they went on a massive win streak with him. I think it was like twenty games or something, just under twenty games a few years ago. And then they ab- fell apart to not even make the playoffs that same season. So it's a it's a ingrained cultural losing environment so he needs to get out of there i think vegas would be a perfect opportunity for him to kind of shine and prove the the top five nhl talent that he is because this guy he came into the league with with mcdavid and everyone had them one two and pretty close um and he dominated his rookie season eichel did and he's been one of the best players to come to the league since then he's just never really won anything sucks that's painful and you know it it doesn't surprise me to hear that though because literally the amount of times that Austin's like sometimes I can't even just watch Buffalo games I just can't watch it anymore you know it's just that that losing culture unfortunately but hey it's power season you know the guy's turning things around I don't know I, I gotta have hope for Buffalo I'm a fan now but Matt disgruntled stars right it's just it is the way of the world recently i'm wondering if it's going to continue i'm wondering if if we're ever going to go back to a an an older age you know people always talk about the older time of of team loyalty and blah 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 but i I kind of enjoy the disgruntled superstar era it's kind of fun to see these these players bounce around these teams created and 
and to see what you're really worth because LeBron is like the example of being able to bounce around, being able to be the star, be the face that can invite this player, that player, and bring a team together to go all the way. And I know hockey's different, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see when Eichel, if Eichel gets traded, if he can step up and be that star. Yeah, well, that's the thing about the NHL versus the NBA in terms of the player movement is because you only need that small core, they can go find a team. But even if Eichel does get out of the situation that he's in with Buffalo, if they trade him to a team like Arizona or Seattle (laughs) or like one of the other bottom feeders, he's not going to just take that team all of a sudden and turn it into a top of the half of the league team. You need other pieces around you. You need at least a core of, I would say, seven or eight guys minimum to consider it a core. So it's a lot harder in the NBA or in the NHL, but I agree. I think player movement is fun for fans. It's fun for media. It keeps everybody in interested over the summer. It keeps you talking about it. That's something that the NHL is, you know, when it ends, it just ends. Nobody's talking about it. There's no weird signings. <laughs> there's no trade demands. The NBA, there's always, always something to talk about, my friend. Just like those Olympics and KD probably being the greatest men's basketball player Olympian all time my weekend Matt was so weird because I was asleep at times I was awake at times but I got to watch basketball at the important moments and you're right Kevin Durant an absolute legend not only did he come out and score buckets when the USA needed it but his defense was absolutely huge and that gold medal match, like, they took France down. Obviously, Tatum was massive. It was He was the, the two to Durant's one, obviously. And 100%. That's, that's great for the future of Team USA. Not that I care really about the future of Team USA. But for me, Matt, the story, the big story was Luca's hand and him losing in that match to Australia. Now, Patty Mills, holy Matt. The guy had 48 points, I think. Absolutely legendary performance for the Boomers to get this win, to finally get this medal, even though it took my boy Luca, unfortunately faltering in the end. They should have been in the gold medal match, Matt, but things happen. It is what it is, and unfortunately you have to live with it, but Olympic basketball was great. I absolutely loved every single moment of it. For Australia, my boy Matisse Thibel was a defensive monster throughout the tournament. Obviously, Team USA had to come over their their struggles. They, they Their first loss in the tournament, Matt, was against France. And for them to turn it all the way around and to beat France in the final, and I'm pretty sure they did it handily at that, you know, that's pretty fantastic to see. And for me, Matt... I was sad that Japan and, and, you know, my boy Utah and Ryu were unable to get a win. But the biggest thing that I got out of Olympic basketball, what I learned from really paying attention to a ton of it, is that winning in the Olympics teaches a lot of guys that they don't have to be the man, be the guy, right? Because it's more of a team sport. FIBA rules have a different world to it. So it's awesome to get to have these different moments, to have these players come in and and obviously Kevin Durant was a study he was, but the USA team has stars, right? And Patty Mills putting up the points he does. Like, Mills is a legend on the Olympic stage. There's just something about putting on the colors for your team, right? For, for putting on something for your country. And 
I really enjoyed the Olympics, even though I had to stay up until like four, five, sometimes six, seven in the morning. Like I really appreciated the eleven p.m. games the best because then at least I could go to bed before uh, one a.m. You know. Absolutely, man. Staying up late for those games must have been brutal for you. Um, so brutal that you added an extra six points to Patty Mills' 42. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, I was hallucinating watching this man go off. I swear he put in two more three-pointers. Hey, man, 42 points in a bronze medal game is, is pretty wild for a guy whose career average in the NBA is below nine points a game. Patty Mills having a heck of an offseason for himself at the age of 32 years old you know coming off uh one of the highest career points per game of his career it's the second highest and he is now a bronze medal winner and joining the nets man a team that is loaded for that playoff run loaded for that championship so all the credit to that man you're right though the olympics could have been a little bit more entertaining had we had luca in that final um over france I mean, France is a great team, but Evan Fournier didn't do what he did to them in the preliminary games or in the round-robin tournament. And the United States, man, just overcome it. And they they think that they're way, way ahead of the, of the rest of the world still. I don't think they are. I think the rest of the world showed that they're creeping up on them in basketball. Yes, they're still the gold medal favorites going into next year's Olympics, next year's World Championships, whatever have you. The rest of the world, we're coming. We're coming. The thing is, the cracks showed this year, right? Like, you saw with certain stars not buying in, not joining this team, because obviously, like, people were joking that this wasn't even the best team that the USA can provide, blah, blah, blah. You know, Keon Johnson was there, who was, like, their hype guy. I think it was Keon Johnson. But um, <laughs> for, for the rest of the world to come together to play these games, for France of all teams who is a little aging, you know, they're not quite aged out in the same way that Spain and Argentina's golden ages have kind of aged out. For them to take a win right off the bat, that may have been the most important game that happened in the entire tournament because, you know, as much as I love to say that, you know, you only get one loss when you're the best team around, like, they win that game, maybe their one loss comes in a medal round, comes in a quarterfinals round, like, anything is possible, especially when you are these NBA players who spend all of their time playing the game a certain way and then having to come in and learn how the rules are a little tiny bit different, how FIBA can can be a little bit more brutal, can be a little bit more, you know, generous to the officiating staff, which is kind of nice but also kind of wrong. I don't know. It's weird, Matt. Dude, they're they're nicer with the defensive players too. They give the, the benefit of the doubt to the defensive player a lot more often than they do in the NBA. And you're... 100% right that this isn't the best team that the USA has to offer. It's nice to see guys like JaVale McGee get on the on the roster and win a gold medal and become the first um, mother-son duo to win gold medals. That's pretty special. <laughs> but, well, yeah. but at the end of the day, if we're picking the best players for the United States, he probably doesn't make it. Well, I don't even know what else to say, Matt. Just no. Like, love me some McGee. Love me tons of players. Like, I love. That's why I love looking at Australia, seeing somebody like Matisse Thybul, who is young, who is fantastic and is appreciated in certain respects throughout the league, can come in and make a difference, be opportunistic on a team like this, and 
that's what the USA team can provide. They kind of have to figure out their new identity because, like, is Kevin Durant going to come back? Like, he totally could, like, knowing KD if he wants to come back in three, four years. I think they would happily accept him after what he's done, tournament after tournament after tournament. Dude, he's proven that athleticism doesn't necessarily have any predication on his game. So as he ages, he is going to still be that uh, lethal sniper, and it's going to be beautiful to see. He'll definitely be welcomed back, uh, going for that extra gold medal. Uh, he's, I think, oh, already the the most decorated Olympian for basketball. He's got three, yeah. I believe. Everybody else has two. He's also got the most points for an Olympic player. Like KD is, he, he's been doing things, and and obviously Pop was super happy just being able to be like, hey, KD, can you just can can you just get us a bucket? Like. Thanks, man. We need you. There was a point, I swear, I don't know if it was against Australia. I don't know which. It might have been Australia where they were down like 15 points and KD was like, so you want me to go on a 13-point run by myself? Yeah, okay. I got you. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. And they did that. And and then they, they didn't lose after that. That's the beauty of it, right? And that's why he is one of the legends. That's why he, when his career will be done, he will be a top 20 top 15 player potentially of all time if he can continue to build on his accolades if this brooklyn super team if this dynasty can come together and win like they're supposed to if injuries can be avoided matt like that's the craziest thing about it i know we're talking about olympics but at the end of the day like the sport is crazy and i do want to if we're done with basketball for the olympics before we move on to actual basketball things i do want to just bring up one more question since we were talking about kevin durant kind of thinking about retiring, kind of thinking about being done. Like, these Olympics no longer had Phelps, no longer had a legend like Bolt. Like, we're looking at the emergence of new sports coming in to to bring in these new generations. Like, are we starting to see it hold up? Like, are the Olympics bringing in the interest with new faces, new sports? Like, I really enjoyed staying up, obviously, because they brought in, like, sport climbing for me. But, Matt, was it enough for you, per se? Honestly, it didn't have the same kind of intrigue as the previous Olympics did. I mean, Rio, when you've got the last games that Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt are going to participate in, that's so much intrigue. And they huge. don't necessarily have those those huge iconic Olympians that they, that they did in, in previous years. I mean, you could hold up a guy like Caleb Dressel and say, you know, five gold medals, that's, that's elite. And it is elite. He's one of, I think, three or four swimmers in the history of the games to ever do that. But there's something about, you know, Michael Phelps and, and that, you know, absolute domination that he had that just makes it so different. So yeah, it was a good Olympics for me, but it wasn't necessarily the same star power as it used to be. Oh, shout out to Marissa the legend but I will say Matt I enjoyed the Olympics you're right we didn't have the same amount of legends we didn't have the same stories with guys like Bolt with guys like Phelps but what it does is it sets the stage you know for the future of, of any sport really like I know there were some of the minor sports that had some big moments my favorite Matt 
was um, the two high jumpers. I don't know if you specifically saw the story, but when these two had been going, yeah, yeah, who had been going back to back, and the the official comes over and he's like, uh, "It's it's too close to call. Like we can keep jumping." And the one guy looks at the 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 I think he was an Italian guy. Yeah. And this guy, who I'm pretty sure had, had just suffered through like injuries and thought his career was going to be over and had bounced back to come and play, he looks at him and he's just like, "Like can can we split? Like can we both have gold?" And he's like, "It's possible." And he's like. Yeah, man, and the guy just gets so excited. Like that to me is is the beauty of of the Olympics, of sport, of 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 two great athletes having a moment of just like, hey, man, like we're both amazing. Why not? You know. Yeah. And, and for both of them to for for the one guy to be able to offer that to to another to another person who has suffered and to have that be the story, like I love it. Man. That's the beauty of sports in my mind absolutely man uh the italian guy was so excited to to share it with the the guy from qatar who was the world's number one and the italian had missed rio because he had shattered i think his ankle or his heel or something he even had the cast with him no the olympics is all about the inspiring stuff i just i did miss my phelps and bolt so can't disagree at all shout out to skateboarding and how awesome it was in japan but matt Let's move into the trade market. Let's talk about basketball. Because there's there's a lot of things going on. Like, I know we're in almost week two now of free agency. You know, everybody has kind of moved. The needles have all been kind of set to where they're supposed to be. The pawns on the chessboard are, are played, and we're kind of in waiting now. So, Matt, what's on your mind? Where do you want to start? Man, I think I want to start with the fact that Ben Simmons is not even answering Philadelphia's calls. <laughs> he's ignoring Joel Embiid, and he's apparently planning on holding out for most of the season. Does that help the 76ers trade him for Damian Lillard, or does it make it even harder to trade him for Damian Lillard? Because now the Portland Trailblazers are looking at him and going, this, this is the star you want to give us when we have the most loyal star in the NBA? Uh, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I'm I'm like laughing about it because like the dominoes are falling in certain ways and we hear these stories about Simmons but like I also see videos of him shooting jump shots, shooting threes, looking good and I'm like are these like curated like videos like what's happening here? What what is trying to go on? But like Matt, my favorite joke, guy guy wants to be a young socialite, guy wants to party in one of the LA teams. Send him to Sacramento. Send him to the Kings. Put him put him into the team that hasn't made the playoffs in 15 years. The Buddy Heald trade fell through for the Lakers. Well, let's give him Ben Simmons. Let's let them be their star because oh, man. as much as I would love Ben on Toronto as our center doing what he does, I don't know if we can mold that mind after what we've heard in the past few weeks. Oh, crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of soured my opinion on him as well coming to the Raptors. Um, he definitely doesn't like to be challenged and he doesn't like to be pushed it showed when they had uh was it brett brown who couldn't get him to take a three in the three years that he coached him he couldn't get him to take one three so yeah i've i've seen videos of ben simmons shooting threes before and looking great doing turnaround jumpers and and looking like a mid-range maestro but until he does it in the nba man i have no faith that he'll actually be able to apply it so we'll see I don't think that if I'm Portland, I want to trade for Ben Simmons. Not going from Damian Lillard to, to Ben Simmons, no offense. You're giving up way too much. You have to get a lot in return. 
but I don't know where where they're gonna go, and I don't know what they do with Damian Lillard, Lillard if I'm Portland. I mean, who else is out there that you can trade one for one that you get the same value back? That's the thing. We're late in free agency at this point. Like, unless you're willing to hold on to your star, which they could do. Portland can be decent with Lillard, with our boy Norm, you know, with I guess CJ, unless they decide to trade him as well and try to start the full rebuild to be like, hey Dame. Go figure out. Call your friends. Who, who do you want to join? Because, you know, tampering doesn't exist. They might slap some players on those. Hopefully we get, like, a second pick from Miami. You know, that'd be fun for Kyle. But, uh, yeah, it's Would it's be. weird. Yeah, that, I mean, free free picks? Yeah, let's do it. But it's weird, right? Because at this point we don't know if Dame is going to be leaving. Like, Philadelphia talks about how Simmons is, quote-unquote, the path to Lillard. But all I hear is, you know, the phone just endlessly ringing in the Blazers' room because – why? Why do you want him? I, I, we, we were talking about him for weeks. We were liking Ben. But at this point, I'm done. I'm ready to move on. I love this young team we have. We're going to talk about Raptors later. Let's go, Scotty. But, hey, man. Simmons? Ah, I'm done with him. His value can continue to fall, in my opinion. Yeah, man. I would 100% agree. I love the young, the young roster that we have. I love the fact that we can potentially move Siakam for a younger piece to fit more within our our window um but you know there were some signings this week too durant you know he heard Stephen a on first take saying that he was going to join the new york knicks so he had to go sign that extension with the nets apparently there are talks with Kyrie and harden so that'd get all three of them done within a summer pretty nice for the nets dennis schroeder oh yeah dennis schroeder my friend a seven million dollar contract with the celtics after apparently turning down a four-year, $84 million contract, which is now reported that he was never officially offered. Yikes, that hurts, man. Missing out on $77 million, if that's true. Man, he stays awake at night, 100%. If he at least knew the offer would have been on the table, because that's so much money! What is going on? But, you know, that's, that's the story of betting on yourself, right? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You and I both have, I mean, I don't know if you were ever big on Schroeder. Like, I liked Schroeder back in this one really great OKC season because that was what he had, unfortunately, at this point in his career. But, you know, players players of his caliber, players like Larry Markkinen, who I think had an opportunity to pl- sign some contracts or be better or have a better opportunity a while ago, but I can't fully remember. They're just kind of waiting in limbo, like... It's really interesting. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying how this offseason is turning out for certain players. Like, Schroeder is kind of getting what he deserves at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, man. If, if he would turn down that money to go after a bigger contract, um, you definitely got to make sure that you're going to perform and putting up zero points in a playoff game, that's not performing. So not something that Westbrook's going to do for this team. Exactly. And then another big signing for the Golden State Warriors is... Andre Iguodala coming home, man. Do you think it does anything for them besides a morale boost? He, he's old, man. He's not the player he once was. I mean, it, it's twofold, right? Because, like, obviously we're not looking at Iggy to come in and have his his finals MVP-like performance. But at the same time, there's more to basketball than just what we see on the court. We've, that, that's been proven. It's why we love Kyle Lowry so much throughout the years. It's the It's... It's what you can provide off the court. It's what you can provide during the games while not playing. There's so many little things, and if Iggy can exactly intangibles, if Iggy can come in 
and figure out the right role, find out what he can provide in in the, in the highest amount and in the in the most and, and just just at the end of the day, if, if Iggy can come in and be a positive experience for a team that is looking to bounce back, for a team that drafted some very interesting picks, for a team that has Clay Thompson potentially coming back to put in twenty plus points a night, like how could it not be positive? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I think it's going to be slightly positive. I just don't know if he actually makes that big of a difference on the court. I think the the bigger piece is obviously Clay coming back, like you mentioned. That's going to be what drives them into the upper echelon of the Western Conference. Andre Iguodala is nice. He's he's nice to be back with the, with the boys and the crew, uh, but that's that's really all it is. It's just a nice little morale boost. Um, I think we're good to skip winners and losers of the offseason, man, and jump straight into summer league if you are. I can't disagree with you. All I want to say is that, like, $4 billion worth of contracts, Matt. $4 billion worth of contracts just got signed in the past, like, 21, 25, 30 days in the NBA. Ridiculous. Yeah, last while for me there. Yeah, exactly. Way, way, way too much money. More money than I could ever imagine seeing in my entire life. Um, <sighs> I would like Let's talk a little bit. <laughs> Let's talk about the kids of the league, the ones that aren't making all of these billions of dollars, the ones that are some fighting for contracts in the NBA and some coming into their contracts for the first years being drafted and showing up, Matt. Like, I've really enjoyed some of the summer league I've gotten to watch. I don't usually watch a ton of summer, ton of summer league. Wow, I can't speak today. But uh, I've really been enjoying the games that I have watched. Man, there have been some fantastic games. You have like the top five overall picks playing each other almost every other night um you know green and cunningham have already played each other i think it was uh, mobley and suggs um cade and and mobley i believe so you've got a lot of that that cross um intermingling which is nice to see because you get to see them play each other um loved seeing jalen green out duel cade cunningham in that game i mean 25 5 and 3 to Cade's 24 and 2. He was 11 or 6 of 11 shooting. He was 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Like, man was on one in that game. That's why I really wanted him for our Raptors. Could have really helped our half court <laughs> offense. But man, I really like what I've seen from Scotty too, though. The guy's been a defensive monster. He's 100% hustle 100% of the time, which I love. And even though Suggs had that fantastic first game against Golden State, he was still negative 18 in the box in the plus minus. So, yeah, you can you can stuff the stat sheet with 24, 9, and 1, but did you actually give me anything if you're negative 18? This is where it gets interesting and where you have to think about more than just what you see with just points, with just rebounds, with just assists, because I remember watching the Suggs-Green duel, right? And, or, or it was the Green-Cade duel. So completely mm-hmm. different side of the story, but still the same thing. And I remember thinking to myself, who is making the greater impact, right? And they had the same amount of points, but Green was like three for six from the field with like 12 points, and Cade was like four for 12 from the field. And I was like, interesting. Where is the impact coming from? Obviously, there's more to it than just that, but you always have to look at, at more than just that. And I love... I love looking around the league and thinking about different teams and, and where things come at because, like, the Rockets may be 2-0, but the Heat are 2-0. The Pelicans haven't lost a game. The Blazers are 2-0. The Kings, you know how much I rip on the Kings? 
they're 2-0 in summer league at this point, right? Like, Davian Mitchell, he's been really great for that team. I had a double-double the other night, you know, 10 points, 9 assists almost. But, you know, quickly. We played quickly in the first couple of games, and it was really enjoyable watching us beat the Knicks. But the fact that the guy put up 32 points on Monday night, that they actually got a win after that, pretty impressive. I mean... Desmond Bain also putting up 32 points. Like, this is the beauty of Summer League, right? Like, if you are willing to go out there and just shoot your shot, and if you're feeling it and if you're hot one night, the stage is all yours. Absolutely. And Summer League isn't always the best indicator of a player coming into the NBA and dominating right away. We saw Lonzo Ball win Summer League MVP and then have a rough rookie season. (laughs) I mean, he did have some highs during that season, but there were definitely a lot of lows. So a lot of this is is nice to see, and and you can really put stock into what you're watching because they are playing other Summer League prospects and NBA prospects. But at the end of the day, until they get into the show, until they're around the big boys, Cade's got to do a lot more work um, in the summer league team than he will on the NBA squad because those guys are actual shooters will knock down some more some more of his passes the guys only got four assists through two games and that is not who he is as a player so it's it'll be interesting to see for sure I'm just so pumped that Scotty's looked good and Scotty's looked engaged I like that precious Achiwa came in last night and played a heck of a game in the loss I'm hoping that the boys can steal one against the Rockets tonight, man. It's going to be a fun game tonight, Matt. It's crazy that Tuesday, the 17th, is when the finals are of this. Like, Summer League is going to roll along fast. Like, every team is going to have a game almost every single day. And you're right, you know, Scotty having that 18.10 rebound, 5 assist start in Game 1. Like, huge reason we got the W. Malachi obviously was big in that Game 1 and probably should have handled the ball a little bit less in game two he was probably a little high off that first game but i've enjoyed watching freddie gillespie come in and just put up blocks have the hustle you know i've enjoyed kind of the the beginning of our rebuild-ish season because you're right i still think we're going to be competitive i still think there's a lot to say but i can't believe that this time next week we're going to be talking about i don't know like 30 games plus will have gone by for summer league it's crazy uh, yeah, man. And guys like Leangelo Ball are trying to make a, a statement with the Charlotte Hornets, trying to get onto that squad. He had a great first game, dropping five of eight from deep. But in the second game, was a little bit colder, only three of or one of four. But he's got two steals in both games and, and decent pointage, and he's a plus player. So he's definitely helping out that squad. Um, it's, it's just fun to see the young guys coming towards the NBA because a guy like Quickly, he didn't really – go off that hard in the in the nba but here in the summer league man he was the man for the knicks in that game yeah i've enjoyed watching uh delano banton the one of uh the 46th or 47th i don't remember which pick it was for the us Canadian. yeah come in because like he's been hilarious in like the social media stuff that i've seen him with with scotty so for him to come in and get a couple of blocks show his hustle you know see his decent ball handling skills for the guy that is you know six what is he six five no no He's got to be 6'9", I'm pretty sure. I think he's Yeah, he's a big boy. Like, yeah, exactly. It's been pretty cool to see that. And obviously, like, he's got a quick first step. And, and he's really unique in the type of play style that he is. But, Matt, I do want to be sad now. Because I feel like we talked about Summer League a lot. And I do want to have some Raptors chat moments. And we never really mentioned it over the past few weeks. And I feel like it's really got to come up here. With Kyle's number 
going to be retired, going to be hung in the Raptors. It's been said. I've heard it. It's happening, it, as it should. Like, he's retired. Matt, Kyle Lowry is no longer a Toronto Raptor, and it's weird that this era has kind of finished. Well, he's not retired, man, but it's going to be weird to see him in a Heat jersey after the nine seasons as a Rap. Um, I love that they're going to retire his jersey. Uh, he's definitely deserved that. He said that he's he knows he's going to cry when he comes back to Toronto. Oh, for sure. The guy, the guy loved it here. The guy called it home. He took out a full page star to thank the the city and the fans and the country. Um, he's an honorary Canadian in my in my mind, and you know, sad to see him go. But hey, we got Masai to stay, and that was huge. I was gonna say that's the trade off, right? Like, Masai is like, I'm sorry, Kyle, you must go. I will stay, but you must go. It's time. I finally found a trade for you. But uh, what a trade. Not a great trade, unfortunately. Hopefully Goran turns into a player that we're interested in. But yeah, Masai's staying. Guy's going to be important while also still doing his uh, Giants of basketball work. Like I said, Matt, one day, if there's ever going to be a basketball league in Africa, Masai will be in charge of it. There's no doubt in my mind. So, of course, pump for a guy like that to still be with our organization. Yeah, and, and like you uh, touched on it real brief, hopefully we can turn Drogic into a player who actually wants to play with us, who is going to you know more fit our timeline. They're saying the Mavericks are probably the best spot for him. I don't know who we're going to get off the Mavericks. Uh, I'm not too interested in Dwight Powell now that we've got Precious. Um, yeah, and Kaimi Birch is, is still part of the squad, so it, it'll be interesting to see the season. I think we're going to be very competitive, man. I think it's going to be a very interesting roster, and it's going to be fun basketball to watch all season. So um, I'm good our, for it. Our small ball, like just the amount of long, lengthy wings that we have with OG's already like proven capabilities at the center, with Pascal's capabilities at the center, with what Scotty has proven he can do, I'm going to love what our defensive capabilities are going to provide us to do. And if Gary Trent realizes, oh, wait, all you want me to do is come out here and put up points? If Freddie can just put up points, and some of our bigs can be ball handlers, and we can be moving the ball around constantly because we have the confidence in every single one of our players to handle a little bit? Ooh, isn't that just fun basketball to you, Matt? Doesn't that just sound like a great time? Hey, man, it sounds like team basketball, and that's that's the most fun basketball to watch. So, Yeah super excited for it just bring me the season now <laughs> i know right we're just waiting on it's crazy right because like we'll be talking next week and there won't even be summer league what are we going to be watching what are we going to be doing matt like <laughs> i'm worried oh can i have less to talk about no, all right no. we'll, we'll have <laughs> all right kevin you want to give me your your mystic prediction your hot this, take i don't know if this is hot matt because this might be obvious after what we've seen but I think Green is taking the Rockets all the way. He's going to take the Summer League crown. He's already upset. He thinks he should have gone first overall in this draft. This may be a prediction that will lead into a future one that I will be bringing into you know, later on because I'm so high on Green after what he's shown, and I think the Rockets are going to go all the way. Easy. Yeah, well, they might go all the way and win the championship of the Summer League, but you know the boys are getting the win tonight. Raptors, Summer League squad over the Rockets tonight calling it right now they uh if anything they'll have to face us in the finals and then i'll be very much regretting this call right now but yeah let's go wraps tonight <sighs> exactly all right kevin i think you're good to wrap us up 
Beautiful. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>